New Photic Realm announcement. Uh, submission windows for upcoming issues. Issue 10, the theme is justice. That's hard-boiled fiction with a supernatural twist. The deadline for that will be April 1st, 2020. Issue 11, the theme is kaiju. Giant monsters terrorizing civilization. Deadline will be October 1st, 2020 for those stories. Issue 12, the theme is lycanthropy, which is, of course, self-explanatory. Um, it can be any type of animorph with a bloody twist. Uh, so I guess that's werewolves and Jesus, giant, I don't know. What do people turn into? Seals? I've just got a little seal on my desk, so I thought of that. I don't know. You have to be more imaginative than I just was. Uh, but the deadline for lycanthropy, January 1st, 2021. Good luck to everyone submitting. This episode is Rhys Connolly. He's a London-based uh, writer and actor. Um, he's acted most recently in the film A Werewolf in England, which is available uh, on DVD and to rent on Amazon Prime. Um, I spotted it on Amazon Prime and then I remembered I'd seen it before because uh, Rhys and I follow each other on Twitter. So I thought, okay, I have to see this film and I have to uh, talk to him about it. And the film is uh, hilarious and... Um, gory and great fun and I highly recommend it um, and I had a great time talking to Reese about it. If you are a writer, reader, editor, something like that, uh, some sort of creative that wants to be on the show um, or maybe you just want to tell me hi or anything at all, you can always get in touch with me using losingtheplotpodcast at gmail.com and I look forward to hearing from you. But that's all my intro, uh, so here is my chat with Reese Connolly. What have you been up to today? Uh, well, I've had the day off. Um, so myself and my uh, my boyfriend, we've been out on a big dog walk in lovely rainy British weather. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Where and drying off. Do you live in London? Yeah, East London. East London. Okay. Is that where you're from? No. Originally, I'm from up north, uh, just outside of Newcastle. Mm -hmm. uh, but I moved to London about seven years ago, so I've sort of lost my accent. And mm -hmm. being an actor as well, it's sort of, you know, dropped away too. But yeah, I live in London. Uh, I go back up to Newcastle uh, probably once a month. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And did you move to London like for acting? Well, yeah, to study. Um, so I studied drama at uni. I didn't go to drama school. It was like a like a more theoretical course about drama and like theory of drama and stuff. But that's how I got into acting alongside that. And then that's sort of been my passion uh, during and since. Yeah. Mm -hmm. 
That's awesome. Um, yeah, I mean, I saw, I think I looked at your Instagram. I was doing some research and I was like, oh my God, this guy does so many things. They're all over the place. <laughs> I do a jack of all trades and a master of none. <laughs> as <the laughs> goes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. So, um, so yes, yeah, so you're managing to stay out and about, but the weather is getting worse or? Yeah, the weather is, has turned at, in, in Britain at the moment. Um, mm. But it's nice. I'm a very wind. I prefer the darker months, so I'm I'm excited at the same time. I like to to get my winter wardrobe out, and uh, yeah, it's a nice time of year. You've got Halloween, bonfire night, Christmas. It's all just fun. Oh and yeah, then- no, I, I I was sure you were a Halloween guy, but like winter months, do you enjoy them? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I do. I I like I like. Um, uh, being born in the north, I don't do very well in the heat, so I don't really enjoy summer a lot of the time, uh, mm-hmm. and spend most of it wearing as little clothes as possible because I get too hot. Uh, yes. But uh, no, I'm I'm so much more of a of a winter evening. Awesome. Um, so I uh, I think I was on like Amazon Prime scrolling mm-hmm. through. And then I saw a werewolf in England. And I was like, wait, I think I remember that title from somewhere. And then I checked and I saw that, oh, wait, yeah, this guy, I saw him on Twitter. It's funny. Um, yeah. Well, thank you for watching it. Thank you for renting it and watching it. Oh, yeah, yeah, of course. No, I had to. I was like, oh, that's so cool. I, I feel like I know a celebrity. <laughs> a, a D-list celebrity, but I will take the compliment. Well, you get, I mean, everyone starts on the list somewhere, right? I mean, we're the... Alphabet, yeah, it's true. (laughs) Where do known names come from, if not, like, from the unknown? That's how it starts. Um, But, yeah, no, it's really cool, because you're, like, you're top billing as well. Yeah, it's it's mad, isn't it? Um, Yeah. I I exactly deserve top billing, but uh, Charlie, the director, was like, yeah, you'll be the first in the credits, and my name is there on Amazon when you buy the film, so... Mm-hmm. I'm if you don't like it people will come for me <laughs> that's, maybe that's the reasoning behind the top billing <laughs> it's really cool though like when I saw my name come up on the screen when I saw the first screening I was like this is so fucking cool this mm-hmm. is a, a dream come true I'm very lucky um, yeah it's there's nothing quite like that feeling where did you first uh, see it? Um, so I saw it um at a small screening in Soho. So um, there's a like a little private cinema that Charlie, the director, does a lot of his screenings, I think pretty much all of his screenings at. And uh, I, I saw it there uh, on, on the big screen, which was really cool. Uh, it was a COVID-safe environment, so it was kind of weird. Mm-hmm. But, um, but still, like, it was great to, to have, like, a lot of the cast had turned out for that or they'd, like, travelled to London to watch it. So it was lovely to see everyone again um, mm. and see it up there with the surround sound and everything, as it's intended, I guess, to be to be watched. Yeah. Like a full... Is, and so, like, how, how long after having made it did you, did you get to see it? Well, so we shot most of it in January. Mm-hmm. in sort of two blocks which were very close together and then we we saw we wrapped the shoot because we filmed filmed it all in pretty much this one location in cornwall in this massive set that charlie and the crew built mm-hmm. um, 
And then we had a small break because we had to do some pickup shots, some exterior stuff with the horse and carriage, which is at the very beginning and the very end of the film. Yeah. Uh, then the pandemic happened. So everything obviously went out the window and everything shut down and no one knew what on earth was happening. So we then picked up those shots about five months later in the end of July, I think it was. And then the film came out in, uh, in, in well, I saw it, I think, at the end of August, maybe. So it wasn't mm-hmm. actually that long after officially finishing, after wrapping, that I, that I saw it. So it was a very long shoot, weirdly. Um, if you look very carefully, I think you can notice that my, my body weight changes very slowly. <laughs> because lockdown, like everyone else, I think I just comfort ate my way through the five months. So <laughs> nice. between the very beginning scene of the film and then the rest of the film, I, I lose a few pounds. And then I put them on again at the very, very end. <laughs> but it's, uh, it's because I'm a werewolf, so that, that's why. That's why. Yeah. Yeah, spoilers. But, but, yeah. <laughs> but like, um, yeah... What was I going to say? Yeah, well, like I live, um, I'm Scottish, but I live in Norway for work. And uh, all the Norwegians, like, I think um, they, during the pandemic, like they all went hiking and like they all lost weight during the pandemic. Lovely for them. It was bonkers. I was like, you're not doing this right. (laughs) It's not what to be doing. Yeah. well, yes, good for them. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I just sort of did a lot of baking and a lot of eating. Well, I didn't do the baking, but I ate what was being baked um, and uh, sort of just... Even better. Even better, sort of hibernated through it. Um, I'm glad you said that you were Scottish because I was like, this is a very Scottish-sounding Norwegian person. Um, <laughs> yes. a very Norwegian name, but I never want to assume anything. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, that's true. It's fair. I need to... I should I should have clarified, yeah, it's true. I mean, like, I... um. Yeah, you know, uh, every time I show up for meetings at work or just uh, people are always asking, like they all just start talking to me in the region and I'm like, nope, sorry, <laughs> I haven't learned oh. it yet. <laughs> Shut it down. <laughs> How long have you um, lived in Norway? Uh, it's like seven years. Wow, okay, cool. Yeah, yeah. Um, I was, at, I was at uni in London and then I came straight here for work afterwards and I've just been working here ever since, yeah. Um. But it's like uh, it's mostly expat community that you hang out with here. So right. okay. I don't know. Like the 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 daily language still remains English, at least in my world. <laughs> but yeah, I don't know. But um, but tell me about like how did you get involved with this project? So this... I knew of Charlie through a friend who I work with in my um my sort of paying the bills job, and she'd studied with him at film school. And she was like, I think you get on with him really well because he does horror films and he's a big horror fan and I'm just generally a big horror fan. You know, I, I read horror books, I write horror stories, I, you know, do a lot of, I'd had up to that point done a lot of performance in terms of on stage stuff, which had a horror vibe to it. So she was like, you should check out his films, which I did. I really, really enjoyed them. Um, he's an amazing director and has got a great imagination and a love for the genre that I, it's like nothing I've ever known. Um, and then he came to see a performance that I was doing, um, which this mutual friend was producing. So it's just one of those cases of serendipity, people sort of connecting through friends of friends. And he saw it and I was doing a, a self-written one man show, like a monologue about, um, it was like a, a Lovecraft inspired monologue but then halfway through it sort of segues into it's actually some gay erotica it's meant to be funny it was funny it's it's a it's a silly 
monologue. It's about this guy who falls in love with a Cthulhu monster mm-hmm. and has a sort of quite explicit um, fling with them. But it can't work because obviously they're a world devouring uh, god, and I'm just a I'm just a man. And uh, he saw it and he thought I was fun and I was a funny performer and had a good sort of vibe. Um, so we um, met up uh, a few months later, quite a while later actually. But he is so busy all the time, and he was like, "I'm casting for this film. I think you'd be good in this role that I have written of this sort of hapless." Um, romantic idiot um, in the Victorian times um, and yeah that's how I pretty much got involved that way I had to do I had to go through the normal audition process and do like self tapes and, and such and there were a few other guys in the mix but um, I won out and I'm really glad that I did and then you know we were we were filming uh, just after Christmas nice so yeah. did you when when did you get to see like the whole script um, I was given the script uh, not long after I'd sort of secured the part. I mm. sent the script, so that was sort of late uh, last year, late 2019. So I had the time over Christmas um, and sort of the first few weeks of January to really, um, really acquaint myself with it and uh, and learn it. Obviously, ready for the shoot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. It's like, I, I didn't expect it to be so funny. Did you know, well, you'd seen his other films before. Yes. You knew the vibe, yeah. Well, his other films are actually pretty, I don't know if you've seen any any of the other Dark Temple stuff that he's done, but it's, it's a lot of it is pretty intense. And it's like, um, so like, he, he likes to do his homages. Uh, they're always very original, but they're really heavily paying homage at the same time to certain films in the horror genre. So like, there's a one he's done called Escape from Cannibal Farm, which is like this really intense Texas Chainsaw Massacre kind of vibe. And there's another one called Winter Skin, which is really cool, probably one of my favorites. And that's a sort of misery, Tarantino inspired thing. Uh, so this is, uh, Charlie says this is the first comedy that, I, that he's done. It's the first sort of all out comedy, I guess, mm-hmm. it's done. And I think that's also why he thought I was right for the role because I am, I am primarily a comedy actor or I like to find the comedy in, in, in what, I'm, what I'm doing. And the script was so funny when I read it. I was like, this is just going to be such a laugh to do and to mm-hmm. watch and to be involved in and to be on set with. All the characters have got some great lines and <laughs> some weird some weird shit happens, quite literally. Weird, <laughs> weird so, yeah, yeah, very funny. Yeah, it's great. Um, yeah, I, I think you're right. Like all the characters, the characters are all really well introduced as well. Yeah. Um, once they reach this... Uh this in Mm. Mm. um, all the actors involved were so lovely and so friendly and so different I have to say from the the people that they're playing like Mm -hmm. because obviously most of the characters in this not all of them but most of them are grotesques like they are so over the top you would not want to meet any of them down a dark alleyway at night Mm -hmm. and living in East London I've met quite a few characters down dark alleyways (laughs) at night but none of them compare None of them compare to, to some of the, the people in this film. But, um, yeah, they're all really sketched out, even the ones who are not in it for too long. I think everyone has a moment to shine, and I can see them all having... I think they all have their moments, uh, their sort of iconic bits as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and Charlie's really good for working with a repertoire of actors, so most of the actors in it, with the exception of me being the first time I've worked with him, most of the others have worked with him 
on numerous projects before. So he really likes to to work with the same faces moving forward. Um, so they know what what he wants from them as well and what they're allowed to to get away with, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Um. I under. Yeah. I think the the homages were quite clear. Like it was. I got kind of hateful eight vibes from it. Um. Yeah. Yeah. This notion of like all these untrustworthy characters all trapped in the same place, but also werewolves, and it's not like three hours long. Thank God. <laughs> like yeah, it yeah, yeah. I mean, we love the hateful eight, but it's 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 bloody long, isn't it? <laughs> most Tarantino is. Most Tarantino is. Uh, this is a swift 84 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, tr- I I tried to fall asleep when I was in the cinema watching Hateful Eight, but it was too cold. So. Oh, there Shame. we are. <laughs> and I just felt like the wind whistling in like the film was just like so relentless because it was so cold in the theater as well. It was not pleasant. I mean, it's. it. Yeah. Maybe that added to the experience. It was like multi dimensional. <laughs> hmm. it's about as so, one fit to be for the hateful eight. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, but your your background is in theatre. Is that who you started? Yeah. So this is actually the first film that I've ever been involved with, apart from like little student films here and there while I was at uni. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is the first time I've acted on screen. Mainly, like you say, I've been in theatre. I've done a lot with theatre. So I am a playwright and I've had uh, pr- productions on the stage, produced mm-hmm. my companies. And then for a long time, I've had my own company as well and have acted in stuff that I have also written. And when you're working on the sort of fringe level of theatre that most people are, when they're starting mm-hmm. out, you are, you know, writer, director, costume designer, shit shoveler. You're all of the jobs. You're all of the jobs because you have to be. And it's great because it gives you a, it, it makes you really appreciative of all of those of all of those um of those roles. Mm-hmm. Uh, and a lot of the um, productions that I was doing, especially towards most recently, were with um, a horror vibe, like I like I've said. And at this big festival in London that happens every year, apart from this year, sadly, um, called the London Horror Festival, which is this cool like it runs for pretty much the month of October. And it's just all this great horror-inspired cabaret, burlesque, plays, monologues, um, sort of interactive role-playing stuff that goes on. And I've been involved with that a lot as well. So, yeah, that's been my main background, I guess. Cool. Um, what What is it about horror for you, then? That's the main one. Do you know, I don't know. Cause, well, I've always had an interest in the macabre and the sinister and the weird ever since I was a kid when I was a kid I was also super super scared of most things I think probably because I've got such a such an imagination so it's that weird thing of being really scared of ghost stories Mm -hmm. but being addicted to seeking them out and reading them and hearing that bump in the night and assuming it's something supernatural rather than a cat outside or something you know Mm. Uh, and that love has followed me throughout my life, and if anything, it's only grown more and more out of control. And now, I, and now I, I just have this this real passion, almost obsession with horror, and and stuff like that. I've, I've seen so many films. I read a lot of books. Like my favorite author is Stephen King, and I've read most of the stuff that he's pumped out, which is a lot of stuff. Um, mm. 
and I do a lot of writing of my own sort of horror uh, short stories and longer stuff as well. Um, I don't know why horror, though. I don't know why. I think it is because it is a little bit, it's not afraid in horror, you're not afraid to push the boundaries. You know, when you've got comedy in horror, the comedy is usually pushed quite far. When you've got um, drama and characters in horror, again, they're pushed a lot of the time. There's the room to push them to their limits. And I like that. I like that sort of freedom of expression. You can go a lot bigger and bolder when you're dealing with horror, no matter what the horror is, whether it's supernatural or serial killers or pornography and stuff like that. I have an affection for most strands of, of the genre. Um, I don't know. I think there's also something about being a queer person and loving horror as well. But this is something that I've only sort of tapped into recently. Um, mm -hmm. But there is a lot of writing, obviously, around it and sort of like the way that in a, in a strange way, characters like my, my, Michael Myers and um, Freddy Krueger and, you know, the girl from The Ring, they're sort of these weird, unofficial queer icons for some strange reason. I don't necessarily know what. Maybe it's because they run around cutting down... Um, uh, heteronormative couples who were really annoying at school and, and, and bullied us and it's like this revenge thing and uh, sort of having an affection for the outsider I guess um, so that's part of it too and, and, and most horror is very camp as well like yeah. and very theatrical by proxy so yeah I think there's a lot of I think there's a lot of reasons why it appeals to me it's informed my personality a lot as well so I've sort of grown into it a lot, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, no, it totally does. Um, I mean, I, I've talked to a lot of horror writers and I, I also write horror and mm. they tend to be uh, very sweet and very anxious people, I think. Or maybe I'm just yes. projecting. No, that, is, that, is so true. that is so very true. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's a question of just, yeah, maybe it is the obsession of set obsession over things that can go wrong um and the, the sweetness i think is the the compassion for others for just existing in a place where terrible things can always happen <laughs> yeah and also mm. i think it's happy when people enjoy horror and write horror especially because if you if you have those thoughts and feelings in your head and you don't write them down you end up you know going out and being a serial killer maybe so it's good that people get this not that i'm not saying that i am a serial killer or no, because you write horror. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. But yeah, no, I think you're absolutely right. It's um, I think it's people who are a little bit more anxious, who are a little bit shy, uh, are attracted to it because it is, like I was saying, it's, it, it feels like a genre which is a, a playground. You can sort of run wild in there and you can't really be judged a lot of the time for things because anything goes and it's permissible and it's fine. Um, and experimentation is, 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 is part of horror, I think, and, and keeps horror going in a way that it doesn't necessarily in, in other, other genres, other mediums. Yeah. Hmm. Very good answer. Um, when you, so this being like the first film that you were in, what did you notice was like the biggest difference between acting for theater and acting for film? Um, in terms of, subtle things but like intrinsic things like how big to do your performance when you're on the stage obviously it, it, it always sounds so so obvious when you say something like this but actually putting it into practice is is difficult 
because it is quite second nature, especially if you're a performer who's been working a long time in a particular medium. But when you're on the stage, you have to amplify everything, not just your voice, but your facial expressions, your your movements, the way you interact with characters. Whereas on film, you know, you're being captured by this tiny little lens, which is often very, very close to your face. So you mm. don't need to do that big stage acting, but it's hard not to a lot of the time. So mm. I was that was probably the main critique that I got, the main director's note that I got and expected as well was to sort of dial it down a bit. I already have enormous eyebrows. They're sort of like this <laughs> natural defense mechanism that I have, uh, my attack eyebrows. But, you know, I was worried that they would not translate well onto film and that they would make it into a 3D film before before anything else. But, um, yeah, Charlie was just great in, in making sure that I, that I knew where I could push the performance. And then he would dial it down. It's easier to dial down a performance than it is to sort of big one up in terms of energy, in terms of that sort of thing. And also when you've got some amazing actors working around you who are who have got that vibe and have pitched scenes at a certain level, it's so much easier to 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 go to that level and find them and and let them lead you. So I was very grateful and allowed myself to be guided through, mm -hmm. through experience. Yeah. So everyone's on the same like wavelength when it comes to how to play this thing. And so like, did you design your performance based on like having seen his previous films and understanding what his characters were like? Um, not so much. I think it was more, uh, I based it on what I knew Charlie was writing this inspired by and very much just by what I was reading. You know, the answers are always in the text when it comes to playing a character, whether it's on stage or on screen. So, you know, everything I needed to know about Archie was going to be in the script. Um, but I also, you know, as some starting points, I went back to those classic films that I that I grew up on as well. And that I know that Charlie was very inspired by when he was writing the script, which are the old Hammer horror films and the old like TV serials like The Tales from the Crypt and Tales of the Unexpected. These very sort of camp, exaggerated, but very earnest, very earnest um, performances of those uh, sort of romantic um, heroes um, and uh, accidental heroes in, in those old films. Um, so that was a jumping off point for me to, to build the character. Yeah. Yeah. And um, so I'm just thinking like, mm. have you, I take it as difficult to like, it's now being distributed. So did but did it do like a festival run or was that difficult because of the situation at the moment? No, it didn't do a festival run. I, I feel like it would have it would have been in some festivals. I don't know, Charlie's Charlie's the person who would have the answers to that more than me, but he did he did mm. sort of had a brief conversation one day where he was saying it would have been great if it had been able to go to festivals upon its release or building up to its release because I think it's a film that would do very, very well at festivals. Like the people who've been enjoying it the most so far are those people who seek out independent horror films and um, films which are very much like this mm. and are made by fans of the genre for fans of the genre. Um, so I think it would have, I think it would have killed at the festivals. I really, really do. But there, because of COVID, it's just unfortunately meant that it's just gone. Well, it's, it's, you know, as you say, it's been distributed in the way that. It has been. I don't know. Maybe in the future there'll be the chance to retrospectively show it somewhere. 
Mm. Um, Charlie has links to loads of different places, uh, venues, festivals up and down the country uh, and internationally as well. So I don't know. I don't know. Hopefully I would love to. I would love to do um, some festivals with it. Yeah. Yeah, because my next question was like, it would have been really cool to like see how our live audience receives this film, like Mm. to be there and yeah, people. Definitely, because I think there are so many moments in it which, which need a response and and elicit a response from from you when you're watching it. Like, even when I watched it in that first screening, um, and I was seeing it for the first time, but I knew obviously what was hap- what was going to come up within the story. But it was really fun to see the people in the room who were like plus ones or had never see- weren't involved in the filming, but were there as guests or reviewers, and see their reaction. And a lot of it was audible like in some of the more gross out moments of the film as well um hearing people gasp or or make funny noises and 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 hearing laughter as well because Mm -hmm. when when you've run a scene so many times on set and you know it's funny but it's lost the comedy because you've done it so many times and obviously the characters aren't laughing because it's not funny to them so then to hear it get a laugh because it's really funny when it's been shown to someone for the first time on screen, it's really gratifying. Yeah. Yeah, because that's why I asked about like when you wrapped and then when you got to see it to see if there was like enough distance between having made it and then getting to watch it as an audience member. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. And also because you're filming it like this is a, this is another difference between theatre and film. Like when you do a play, you walk out onto that stage, and for the next hour, hour and a half, whatever you're in the world of the play, you play through it chronologically, you're your character, you don't really break character unless you go off stage, and then at the end you do your bow and there you are. And when you're filming, you're filming over weeks, you're doing very, very short takes a lot of the time, and sometimes you're filming a scene over a few days or over a few weeks, you'll pick up shots later on, and your Mm -hmm. character journey is all over the place. Like, one of the first things we shot in the entire film, um happens very much towards the end of the film so and that's weird as an actor to sort of be like okay so my relationship with this character right now has already been through x y and z um so when you see it stitched together as a film and it plays out in the real time almost Mm -hmm. it's like oh yeah that's that's cool that's how it works that's the story and it's yeah yeah it's so interesting right how um how, like you say, that you film it out of order, but then it all kind of glues together and plays yeah. cohesively. Um, is there something about seeing that happen that you will like take back to the stage? Do you have any lessons that you took from making this film? Well, that is a really good question. I don't know. I don't know. I think I'll be very appreciative for having an audience there the next time that I do find myself back on a stage. Like, it, it is really hard when you're used to playing to an audience, especially when you're doing comedy and you feed a lot off the energy in the room, to suddenly not have that. Even though everyone on set is lovely, you know, they're obviously not allowed to laugh or, or you, you know, because you, you, yeah. you, have, you have to capture the scene as it would be in the world of the, of the film. Whereas on stage, it's a different beast. But I don't know. I feel like that's something that I can only really answer once I've gone back into acting on the stage and I've had a few experiences there. And I, I think it will be more like, I'll sort of realise in the moment things, lessons that I may have learnt. Um, but it'll definitely be on my mind now that you've mentioned it. I hadn't really thought about that. Mm. Cool. Well, we'll like we'll keep in touch. You'll need to tell me when you get back on stage. Definitely. Um, 
But yeah, so what's like, what do you want to do next? Do you want to do theatre again? Do you want to do more films? Well, in terms of acting, I've always, always wanted to be in film because film is my first love, even before theatre, in a roundabout way I got into theatre and writing for theatre because I want to work towards writing for TV and film and being in film. And I love theatre as well, that's not me saying that I don't. I'd love to continue working with that. Like, yeah, I'm, I'm very greedy. I want to <laughs> I want to work in all of those mediums because they all offer something different. But mm -hmm. I would love to go and do more film. Now that I've done it, and now that I know that I love it as much as I thought I would, if not more, I've got the bug for it. And there's still so much more to learn. I would love to do that. I have been auditioning for other things. Um, mm -hmm. So hopefully I'll, I'll get some work out of that. It's obviously very difficult at the moment. There is no theater at the moment um, at all. But mm. film is happening, but in a very weird way because of COVID and stuff. Um, I would love to work with Charlie again at some point in the future if, he, if he'd had me back, if there's the right role for me, because it was just the best. I think in terms of my first experience, if it's my first and last time doing a film, I'm happy for it because it was so much fun and such a lovely crowd to be involved with. I guess we'll mm. just happens. I'm very laissez-faire at the moment. <laughs> Who knows what will happen tomorrow or next week? Yeah, it's all fine. You know, we'll figure it out. <laughs> figure it out. Or we won't. It'll happen either way. <laughs> but like, way. yeah. Well, I should tell you that I have a I have a filmmaking club here in Stavanger. Uh, I run it, and I've got just like a camera, just like a what do you call it, like a mirrorless thing. And uh, we make films. We're going to make one on uh, Monday for Halloween. Um, but we also made a film during lockdown where we had like I had people acting over Skype basically. Oh cool. Um, and then I filmed their performance just like using the screen grab. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah. and uh, we put that in a film. So uh, I mean, we'll probably do that again. So if you want to play a character for us at some point, it's all just for fun. That. Yeah, but, yeah. That. that sounds amazing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I assume. Have you seen Host, the film that they? they yes. Uh... Yeah. I had to wait a little while after we'd made our film to watch that one in case. Yes, of course, of yeah. course. But mm. it just shows you, it, it shows you that, you know, artists are so resilient and, you know, that's great that even in a pandemic, you and so many others have still managed to, very adaptable creative people can be. Mm. And just, like I was saying, it, it sort of forces experimentation and you get really good results out of it, stuff that you necessarily wouldn't have maybe tried before. You'll have to send me the link or whatever to... to oh, yeah, absolutely, I will. I've got, like, a... We're sending it to festivals now, so I've got, like, the protected one. Right. But it's still, like, available. Yeah, um, no, I'd love, to, I'd love to see it. I'd love awesome. Well, uh, yeah, I mean, we had, we, like, we had loads of fun making it. It was our first feature film that we did for the club. It didn't cost us anything. And, um... Yeah, it was just... It was really cool. And I think because it didn't, like, because it didn't cost anything... I, I got to write it and I just got to write like whatever the hell I wanted because it wasn't like I was yeah. I had any kind of audience to pander to so yeah it was a lot of fun it's the best it's the best way yeah well like um, how about you like when you're writing do you do you consider an audience or do you have somebody in mind yeah I write for myself a lot of the time because I ha I do love the genres that I'm inspired by so much like horror and then also sci-fi fantasy that kind of stuff that I know, I, I think I'm quite good at knowing the niche that needs to be looked at or explored and the callbacks and the 
the little Easter eggs you can throw in. So I, I write so that I'm entertained by it. And then I just sort of hope that other people will be as well. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I always think it's a good test. Like if you enjoy it, if you're having fun when you're writing it, and that doesn't just necessarily have to be for comedy, like fun can be, you know, excitement or suspense or whatever. Like it's just, if, you, if you're getting those emotions while you're creating something, mm -hmm. I think it will translate onto the stage, onto the screen, and it will find its audience. I think film is also better than theater at finding an audience because once you've sent that DVD or that, that movie's available to stream or it's on YouTube or whatever, you know, it's anyone can watch it anywhere in the world. So mm -hmm. it, over time, I think it will, it will find its, its people and people will, will, will seek it out. So, yeah, but I don't, I think it, you have to tread a line with that sort of thing. You, you don't want to just not have the audience in mind. But you don't want to be, like you say, restricted, because it's always going to be restrictive, I think, if you try to create something that's going to please people, necessarily. Yeah. yeah. There's so much stuff like that. If you want that, just go and watch a Netflix original film, you know? There's mm. one there for everyone, um, for every demographic. And that's great. But, you know, that's the wonderful thing about the industry that we work in, is that we need as many voices as possible telling as many different stories. So write what you want to. Yeah, I think um, the way it's like the way it's kind of developed for me is like, first, I think I used to just kind of go wild and write wherever the hell I wanted. And um, yeah. it's partly, partly you're just like, I don't care if anyone is going to read this, but then that's a little bit of fear that you won't find your audience. Um, sure. And then when people, People did start reading stories of mine and, and talking to me about them. I was like, oh man, I can't believe this, like this thing, I, I can't deny that my things have audiences now. I'm going to have to think about them. <laughs> yes. Um, and then I'm still writing like very strange things, I think, but with an overarching tone of like, do you, do you ever feel like this? Do you also get this? Like I try and, my ideas might be strange, but I try and present them as clearly as possible. I think. Like, yes, yes, definitely. Uh, and I think the more visibility that your work is getting, the more exposure that your work is getting, um, the more fear comes along with that as a as an artist, as a creative, because you're so aware that there is, like you say, it's like, oh, wow, yeah, there is an audience. There mm -hmm. are people who are reading with this or interacting with this or listening to this. Um, but I don't, I don't think that's a bad thing at the same time, as long as you're aware of it. Um, and work with it and use it as an inspiration. I think if you just, you have to find the positivity in that instead of allowing it to be something that's gonna have a negative influence on your work. But no, I definitely get it. Um, mm. Definitely, definitely get it. Yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, I always just remember that like, no, nobody asked me to do this. Like I can, yeah. I can stop, it's fine. They don't, they don't owe me anything. Um, mm. In a, you know, in a, in a kind of, in a grateful way, <laughs> if that makes yeah. sense. Yeah. Precisely. Yeah. Um, so Halloween must be a big thing for you. Huge. It's mm -hmm. my time of year. That's such a stereotypical thing for a, <laughs> yeah. a, a spooky Halloween fan to say, but it's true. It's, it's true. I love it. I think it's great. Um, I don't really know how I'm going to, what we're going to do this year for Halloween. Um, well, and I do actually, we're going, uh, myself and my boyfriend have got a, a little holiday booked to Whitby on the northeast coast um, with the little uh, sort of coastal town that features in Dracula. It's where the ship crashes and Dracula makes land in England. 
and they have a huge goth festival there every year. Twice a year they have this big goth festival where everyone dresses up and it's very sort of vampires and steampunk and all that sort of stuff. Sadly, it's been cancelled, but we're still going to go and enjoy the town because it's a lovely place. Um, so that's what we're going to have a little sort of um, leveled down karma Halloween this year. But um, yeah, it's lovely because you get a, you, there's there's an explosion in terms of uh, horror shows and horror films that are available to watch. You know, they're all sort of being released or a lot more have been released this time of year, which is like it's like a kid in a sweet shop when you're a fan of the genre. It's there, all of this stuff. Um, and that obviously goes for podcasts and um, and uh, plays, if there are plays happening and, and uh, literature and stuff. So, yeah. And it's just great to see everyone being a bit spooky. <laughs> going into... I, I do a lot of my interior decorating around Halloween because you can buy some really cool stuff in shops which the shops think that you'll put up for Halloween and then take it down, but it will be up in our house all year round. <laughs> Got like fake spiders glued to the window and stuff. Yeah, exactly. And like <laughs> baby's heads was one of my favorite purchases recently. Um, just really creepy, weird stuff that's meant to be for Halloween parties. But I'm like, no, I want that. That's going to look fabulous on our mantelpiece. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Cool. So, um, is there anything we need to know about you where we can find out what you're doing, read some uh, of your writing, or? Yeah, it, um, my Twitter and Instagram are, I, I, I update those a lot. Um, and that's where I work that I am making at Connolly underscore Reese is my Twitter handle, I think, and my Instagram. Hmm. But there, there will be link, links in the description. I'll find oh, them. Oh, great! Well, yeah, yeah. I'll, let, I'll let you know what what they are. Um, mm. But yeah, and there, there's usually links there as well to like some of. I've got a, like a little writing site which I periodically update with my short stories and stuff. And uh, yeah, I'm I'm an artist. I'm a creative. So whenever I have anything going on in my life, I like to shout about it <laughs> on my social, so people know that I'm doing stuff. <laughs> so yeah that's the best way to keep up to date with me if you want to <laughs> awesome um a pleasure talking to you yeah lovely to talk to you lovely to chat to you yeah so that was reese Connolly, um a werewolf in england uh, available on dvd and to rent on amazon prime i highly recommend that you check it out if you are some sort of creative who wants to be on the show or if you just want to say hi you can always do so using losingtheplotpodcast at gmail.com and I look forward to hearing from you. But that's all I've got for you for this episode. So until next time, bye bye. <laughs>